0: With their indifferent, detached expressions, the 10,000 members of the Bored Apes Yacht Club look, well, bored. But there is great excitement in the billion-dollar market for these digital images, which were launched in April 2021, and count singers Justin Bieber and Madonna among their celebrity owners. When actor Seth Green paid $200,000 to purchase Bored Ape NFT number 8398, a.k.a. Fred Simeon, The deal included licensing rights, and Green created a television show to feature Fred. Then, just weeks ago, Fred went missing. Welcome to Copyright Clearance Center's podcast series. I'm Christopher Keneally for Velocity of Content. In the past week, Green revealed that Fred Simeon is home, but the strange twisted tale of a bored ape has many more turns left involving copyright law, cryptocurrency, and blockchain code. To unravel this virtual riddle wrapped in a mystery inside an enigma, Paul Sweeting, editor of com and co-chair of the Tech Summit, joins me from Washington. Welcome back to the program, Paul. Good to be back, Chris. Well, it's good to have you help me out with this very interesting topic, but let's say a couple of things. First of all, I'm fond of telling people that when it comes to copyright, if you're confused, you're beginning to understand the problem and we're about to show people what we mean. But when it comes right down to it, the mathematics with copyright is is first grade stuff compared to the theory of relativity that is cryptocurrency and NFT. So while neither one of us is either a lawyer or a coder, we're going to do our best to help people understand the issues here and and, and to explain why they should care. And, you know, it's important to state as well that along with Wall Street and other traditional stock markets around the world, the cryptocurrency market right now is fighting with bears and losing too. NFTs commonly used to trade digital artworks have fallen far from the heights of 2021 when the BAYC, the Board Ape Yacht Club, debuted. So, Paul Sweeting, what accounts for the great success of these NFTs, and and what do buyers acquire when purchasing? What amounts to code? How secure are the values in an NFT?
1: Well, your question sort of puts your finger on the problem. Um, It's not clear what you actually purchase when you purchase an NFT. An NFT is a bit of code that is linked to, cryptographically linked to, an asset of some kind. In the case of Board Apes Yacht Club, JPEG images of these cartoon apes. And there are, I think, 10,000 of them that were created. And uh, what you are really buying in a sort of fundamental sense is a bit of encrypted code. But uh, Board Ape Yacht Club, uh, Yugle Labs, the company that, um, that created them, uh, went a step further than uh, many other uh, NFT sellers did by purporting to convey certain rights to the purchaser of a board ape. The terms and conditions posted on the Yuga Labs uh, website uh, says that uh, you own the artwork, you own the ape completely. And it purports, again, to convey certain usage rights, you are entitled to make commercial usage of your ape and the image of your ape, which is somewhat unusual in the NFT world. And uh, it's a big part of why uh, bored apes are so valuable compared to other NFTs or, or regarded as more valuable than other NFTs because that commercial use license has allowed a whole ecosystem of spin-off products, merchandise. People have started restaurants based on their, um, the image of their ape and uh those commercial use rights uh are uh have turned out to be very valuable and it's a big part of why prices for for apes for bored apes are higher than uh, many other nfts
0: right so so nfts paul sweeting are, are are non-fungible tokens and as you say they're they're commonly used in the art world the tie to the blockchain is that it kind of locks down the image and the ownership of it so that whenever it is transferred that were assigned, uh, There is a chain that follows it, and this then allows for a kind of verification of ownership, ver- verification of authenticity. But as you say, it is the commercialization of the board apes that really has made the difference. It's it's made a difference to to the tune of two billion dollars.
1: Yeah, and. NFT is a lives on a blockchain and because it lives on a blockchain every entry every transaction that happens to it is time stamped and immutably stored on, on the blockchain so you have sort of a perfect chain of custody so um if you own if you claim to own an NFT there is a uh, an immutable cryptographic receipt basically testifying to your ownership of of that asset the, you know, the, the, the issue has become and that you, you reference the case of uh, Seth Green, the issue there is what actually what else besides that receipt of ownership do you really possess? What happened in the case of Green was he had purchased this ape and he was making uh, he was exploiting the commercial use license. Uh, he was creating an animated television uh, or animated series, I guess it was going to be on a streaming platform, called White Horse Tavern, which is a um, famous um, tavern in lower Manhattan. And this character, Fred Simeon, was going to be essentially the star of the show. And he lost the NFT. He lost his possession of the NFT in a phishing scam. He Apparently clicked on something he shouldn't have clicked on, <laughs> and it enabled someone to take possession of that particular token, which was then resold um, through one of the exchange one of the, um, uh, I believe it was uh, OpenSea, uh, one of the big NFT exchanges, and was purchased by somebody known only by their online handle, Darkwind. I think I think that's what it is he thought he, he he had no choice but to to stop his tv series uh, project because it was now unclear whether he still had those commercial rights and you know therein lies the dilemma when it comes to uh, nfts and copyright is the terms of service or the terms and conditions from Yuga Labs say you have um, these commercial rights to that image. If you lose the image, do you lose those commercial rights along with it? It's not really clear. I mean, it's not an issue that has been litigated to where um, there are sort of established court precedents about this and where it fits within the statutory scheme of copyright is still very ambiguous and i mean there's there's sort of a great irony in the case of the in the Seth Green case in that you know it's the commercial use it's the purported conveyance of commercial use rights that makes apes board apes so valuable but it's that same purported conveyance that's created the ambiguity that you know has now stopped this animated project in its tracks
0: there are a lot of lessons here for everyone Uh, lessons about cryptocurrency lessons about copyright in this story. I I guess the the first lesson is don't click on something unless you know exactly who who it's from. (laughs) (laughs) But then the other lesson is that a licensing deal is a licensing deal. It does not convey copyright. And there is an important distinction there. One that uh, legal scholar James Grimmelman has pointed out is an important one. Um, And U.S. copyright law establishes a really high threshold for transferring ownership of copyright. The ownership of the image, uh, the licensing rights is one thing, but the copyright, it's a separate matter.
1: Yes. And uh, again, it's not entirely clear from the terms and conditions of uh, the board apes what is actually being conveyed. I mean, the way it's phrased in the in the TNC is that this is a unlimited license to make commercial use of, of the image. That would imply that the ownership of the IP still remains with, with Yuga Labs. But in in some manner, those usage rights were associated with or connected with the um, the possession of the image itself, or so it appeared. And when Fred Simeon was abducted, <laughs> and Mr. Green no longer had possession of the of the asset, it did not appear as if he was the actual owner of the copyright that you know would have grounds for bringing some sort of legal action because. What he seemed to have was simply a usage license. So it's all, you know, a big morass at this point. And, you know, it's an issue that, you know, is going to get increasingly important and increasingly significant to, you know, to this burgeoning business of buying, selling and trading and FT's, which doesn't seem to be going away. I mean, the, you know, the market has, obviously, if anyone's looked at their 401k recently, I don't advise it. It's not a pretty picture out there. And and the, the crypto world is certainly not exempt from that. It's faring pretty poorly at the moment. And, and you know, that's likely to hurt the trading value of uh, of NFTs. But the phenomenon, if you want to call it that, of NFTs doesn't seem to be going away anytime soon. So at some point, these issues are going to have to get resolved. And as a matter of fact, just last week, Senators Tom Tillis, North Carolina, and Patrick Leahy of Vermont, who are respectively the ranking member and the chair of the IP subcommittee in the Senate, sent a letter to the heads of the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office and to the U.S. Copyright Office, asking them to jointly conduct a study uh, into the IP, intellectual property implications of, of NFTs and whether a, a transaction involving um, an NFT is an effective way of conveying intellectual property rights, whether that's copyright patent or something else. This would just be a preliminary study, I guess, but that's an indication that policymakers, IP policymakers, are are now starting to pay attention to this. And the letter doesn't reference the Seth Green situation um, specifically, but it clearly has it in mind based on the, the types of questions that the senators ask the agency heads to address.
0: Well, it's not just senators asking questions. I think a lot of people are, and they talk about smart contracts when it comes to blockchain. And you point out, Paul Sweeting, that that really is not what it sounds like. It implies something very complicated, but it is simply a digital receipt. And It is that kind of digital receipt that does really raise other questions with the Seth Green problem uh, in that, um, as you say, the image, the the board ape Fred Simeon was abducted uh, in a phishing scheme, and then it was sold to someone who claimed to be an innocent bystander. But doesn't the blockchain sort of test that question as well? Because the blockchain should have showed that next purchaser where the image had been before, and that would have tipped them off to a problem.
1: Yes, it should or could have. But, you know, part of the problem, and you referenced it in in your question, is what exactly is a smart contract? I mean, the purported license of usage rights was conveyed by means of a blockchain smart contract. And the terms and conditions say that you know your ownership of this ape and these rights that we are extending to you is entirely mediated by the smart contract on the ethereum blockchain well a smart contract isn't really a contract and so it's it's unclear i mean what a, a smart contract is is simply a bit of self executing code it's not the equivalent of a contract of sale that, uh, or a, a license contract that is written down by lawyers and, and signed by both parties and notarized. Um, so you know when you purchase a, a board ape and it purports to convey you these rights, it's not at all clear that a smart contract can do that in a, in a legal sense that that the courts would recognize. So that was part of the problem that Seth Green. Uh, faced here is what is his standing, what would have been his standing to bring, you know, some sort of legal action when it wasn't clear that he actually possessed these rights because it was done via smart contract. But, you know, we're, we're talking about it in the context of bored apes, but there are going to be a lot of types of commerce transacted via NFT going forward. It seems inevitable. I mean, you know, you can see real estate being bought and sold uh, via NFT. You're already seeing it, actually. And the same issues are going to arise there is what is the nature of the transaction based on on a smart contract. What aspect of property, uh, whether intellectual or otherwise, can actually be legally conveyed by a smart contract? And so, you know, these are not trivial issues. I mean, board Apes, you know, it's a JPEG image. It may seem sort of trivial, but the issues that are being raised here are certainly non-trivial
0: and a few years ago a, a handshake agreement might have been enough for an nft project worth only a few thousand dollars but but now that uh, these are going for six figures i guess the question is is it time to get it in writing
1: well it's always better to get a to get a deal in writing than than buy a handshake particularly if 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 they're going to be subsequent transactions based on whatever the the asset is because you and I may have a handshake deal on something but if one of us then goes on to engage in subsequent transactions what is the basis on which we could have trust in that additional party. So, you know, it's always better to get things written down, but, you know, the the, the whole point of blockchain and and NFTs and smart contracts is to automate processes uh, around transactions. And we're only just beginning to wrestle with what does that mean in a legal sense?
0: Well, that's a great place to, to end all this because, as much as uh, these developments in cryptocurrency, blockchain, NFTs are attempting to bring code and law as close together as possible, they're still not there, and it's an important point to, to be mindful of.
1: Yeah, there was a famous book written by uh, Lawrence Lessig. He's an attorney, but also a sort of early philosopher of the internet called "Code Is Law," and that sort of became a meme. Uh, in the internet world that, you know, code is law, but as we saw with, with uh, the Seth Green case, you know, except when it isn't.
0: <laughs> well, Paul Sweeting, we appreciate you helping us understand the issue and giving us an opportunity on Velocity of Content to talk about something we never imagined we would, which is the Board APR Club. So Paul Sweeting with Rights Tech and the Rights Tech Summit, thank you so much for joining me today on the program and discussing this.
1: Uh, it's been my pleasure, Chris. And uh, of course, we're going to be addressing some of these issues at the Right Tech Summit, which is coming up in September.
0: That's all for now. Our producer is Jeremy Brisky of Burst Marketing. I'm Christopher Kennealy. Thanks for joining us on Velocity of Content from CCC. Mm-hmm.